What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Heated Rivals podcast. It's your boy, Sean Robinson. As always, joined by the one and only Mr. Zach Durkin. What's going on, guys? It is week three here in the NFL. And not only that, it's rivalry week here on the Heated Rivals podcast. And for those of you that were not aware, uh, me and Zach are very big Giants and Cowboys fans, respectively. Yep. Um, Zach's pretty lucky that I even invited him over to my house this weekend. Well, you know. well, Sean, frankly, you're very lucky that I even decided to show up. I wasn't even going to come over and see you this week or talk to you. But, you know, I respect our fans and all 15 of them. You no know, shout out to you. But I want to give them a good show. Well, that's what we're here to do. And that's definitely what we plan on doing. Well, one thing I want to talk about, Zach, before we get into our NFL discussion that... It would be just an absolute travesty for us as Yankee fans if we did not discuss it. Um, Aaron Judge's pursuit of the AL home run record. The official, unofficial, all-natural home run record, by the way. Yes, which I will admittedly um, say that I think it should be the rightful record. Now, I'm not... That's not me... I don't want to say it's me discrediting Barry Bonds, even though it kind of sounds it sounds like I am, because I do think it's tremendous what he accomplished. I just, in my heart, in my soul, I feel I feel a little bit better about this record, especially because we know for a fact, I mean, at least right now we do, that Judge was not on any kind of juice. So, Yeah, and when it comes to steroids and stuff like that in baseball, I mean, me personally, I think it should be in baseball, because steroids doesn't help you hit the ball better. Barry Bonds was a Hall of Fame hitter before the steroids. I agree. That just turned a couple doubles into home runs. Uh, Well, that is true, but there are some studies out there that does say it it can help with eyesight. So that has a lot to do with it as well. But conversation for another day. I just really wanted to to mention that. I mean, it's absolutely historic what Judge is doing. He's also in pursuit of the Triple Crown, which, again, I don't think we've seen at least – as long as I've been watching baseball, I haven't seen a player this dominant um, offensively in quite some time. I mean, historically, even you can go back to Barry Bonds' season. Like this is probably t- up there in the top three offensive seasons in baseball history. Like you said, he's about to hit for the triple crown. I think he probably will pursue that and get it. He should win MVP. I don't know why people are even teasing the idea of Shohei winning. It's like saying LeBron should win every year, but whatever. Aaron Judge ridiculous season he's gonna get that bag whether it's from the yankees or whoever the hell signs him i mean i damn sure hope it's the yankees the yankees would be absolutely i can't say the word because it just would be politically incorrect but i think you know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. it would be very very silly on their part to let aaron judge walk so um yeah just wanted to get that note out there let's get into the nfl it's week three mr jerkin and uh do you want to go straight into our matchup, or should we save that for the end? We could save that for the end. I think we should kind of discuss what happened last night in the Thursday night football game between the Steelers and Browns, with the Browns winning that game 29-17, to and a little bit of a fluky play at the end. My brother Jordan, resident Steelers fan of the pod, very upset about that game. Mm, I mean, sure he was. Listen, the offense is just kind of anemic. I should know. I have Najee Harris in fantasy who kind of fucked me last night with that last second fumble, but whatever. I'm not going to you know visit bad thoughts. The Browns' running game looks ridiculous. No matter who the hell is playing quarterback for that team, Nick Chubb's going to go off behind that offensive line, and it's not even going to be a problem. Yeah, I think the I think the Steelers have uh, a little bit more deeper-rooted problems than I think 
like the general fan would know. I think if you look at last night, you look at Mitch Trubisky's stat line, and you're like, eh, very mediocre. But <sighs> I think Jordan would probably attest to this as well. Their offensive play calling is actual dog shit. It's yeah. actual dog shit. They don't run anything in the middle of the field. Well, that's what Jordan was saying all. last night. He's like, like the offensive play calling is dog shit, oh, like you said. Like Air Canada, uh, Matt Canada needs to be like sent on a plane and just dropped in the middle of the ocean. Jordan, He's terrible. Jordan said to me last night, he goes, you know Ben Roethlisberger is going to interview for the offensive coordinator position? I think he would be a much-needed upgrade over what they have now, It was in, It was in jest, but I think anybody, honestly, except maybe for Jason Garrett, would be an, off, um, an automatic upgrade for that team, but... Honestly, the Steelers' defense, they got, like, diced last night. In the passing game, they couldn't get off the field on third down. I think they converted, like, 80% of their third downs. That was another thing we were talking about. It was just, like, they can't get off the field. So the less opportunity you give to the offense, obviously the less points you're going to score. Thank you, John Madden. Rest in peace. But the one thing that I did like from the Steelers was fucking George Pickens. Nasty fucking grab. Crazy-ass grab. It's probably one of the top five catches that I've ever seen in my life. I think they underplayed the shit out of it at the time that it happened. Thank you, Amazon. But I know you mentioned it earlier, comparing it to the OBJ play. I'm going to say my piece. OBJ's was a touchdown, and he caught it with three fingers with defensive pass interference. Listen, so that's all I'm going to say. All right, fair enough, fair enough. I, I like it just as much as OBJ's catch, and that has no there's no bias in it either. I just really like that play. Like That was a crazy-ass play. And apparently George Pickens has been doing this since his days at Georgia. So I'm sure we'll see more of the crazy-ass catches. But, I mean, yeah, Matt Cannon has got to go. Steelers have some problems. But let Trubisky get in there, kind of solve some of their woes a little bit. Uh, but let's get right into those games. Uh, I think the most interesting game this week, at least for me, uh, was this Dolphins-Bills game. And we get it right in the 1 o'clock slate. Yes. First game of the day. It's going to be a good one. Uh, Dolphins opened up as five and a half point underdogs at home and i think this line this line is a little inflated to be honest with you because i for one am a big believer in what the dolphins did last week i thought it was a great offensive show i mean you we all saw the stats to put up damn near 480 yards six tuds that's going to get it done most days uh but i think it was more the way they had to do it because Tua did not play well for the entirety of the game. I think he had two picks uh, right around when they started to make that comeback. But, like I said, they ultimately did come back against the Ravens, and I'm impressed. So I know the Bills have a couple of guys that are out this week on defense, and I think Tua might be able to get it done. I appreciate the sentiment, Sean. I appreciate that. You know, the Dolphins, I think the five and a half is fair. You said, look what the Dolphins did last week, right? They put up, what, 40-something points, won the game. Yes. Look what the Bills have done the last two weeks. Pretty much the same thing. I know you mentioned that they're missing some guys, but they beat the Rams week one. They beat the Titans, who we're not so sure are a fluke, if they're good or not. We'll see what happens this week. But Pretty mid. Yeah, their defensive line is still pretty, pretty decent, in my opinion. Agreed. So I think that Josh Allen having success against two pretty good defenses, albeit Von Miller is not there in um, in L.A. anymore, and the Titans, who knows what the fuck's going on with them, but you can't discredit Josh Allen in this offense putting up 40 burgers in the first two weeks. Don't get me wrong. Tua looked super impressive last week, but I think the five and a half is appropriate for this game, and I'm rocking with the Bills. All right, well, spoiler alert, I think we both have this game as part of our uh, – 
blind confidence pool picks, correct? I don't. I don't. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, well, I do. Um, I will be taking the uh, the Dolphins. I'm not going to reveal which point value until the end, but the Dolphins are in my blind confidence pool this week. Um, next game. Which you are winning 7-4, to by the way. So oh, yes. Congratulations to you for the first two weeks. Yeah, this is how it started last year, though. And then I lost, albeit on the last week of the season, but I did lose. I think you needed like a perfect game. I needed a, like perfect, a perfect week. Sleep. Yeah, I needed a perfect week, and I think I was very close to getting that. And it, I obviously fell short. But I anyway. just needed one to win. But yeah, anyway, let's get to the next game. Yeah, um, Eagles and Commanders. Oh, Zach, I, I hate to say it, bro. The Eagles look kind of scary. I told you. I told you at the beginning of the season that they were going to be the team to beat in this division. And don't get me wrong. They look really good right now. And I'm not discrediting anything they've done, even though they suck. But Jalen Hurts is not the MVP, guys. No. No, 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 no. Stop that that right now. That's getting nipped in the butt right now. Right now. He's been playing well. He's not an MVP. Not yet, at least. All right? Not yet. And he's not good. He's playing in a scheme that fits him perfectly. And he's a very good runner. I will give him that. He uses his legs exceptionally well. Um, But I do think the Eagles get the win here. They're opening up as, what, six and a half point favorites right now? Yeah, almost a full touchdown. A touchdown and an extra point. Yeah, so I like like the Eagles here. Uh, Commanders are also three steps below mid. (laughs) The, The commanders are pretty bad. I mean, like, um, they got shitted on by the Lions last week. Yes, but you know who the Eagles gave up thirty-five points. <laughs> exactly, to. the Lions did give up thirty. The Lions did put up thirty-five on the Eagles too. So like, it might be a high-scoring game. That's sitting at what forty-seven and a half over/under. I think you smashed the over on that one. I don't know. I don't know because I I can see a situation where the Commanders don't score any points or score like ten, thirteen, maybe. I know you don't like Carson Wentz, but. In terms of fantasy, he's been a stud. Eh, fuck Carson Wentz. Anyway, let's get out. Let's get let's get out of this game. It's an NFC division. My game head hurts just thinking NFC about NFC East it. division game, and I don't want to. I don't want to even think about it right now because we have a, a bigger one to talk about later. Uh, next game, we are going down to Tampa Bay, where the Packers are taking on the Bucks. Packers are opening up as what one point dogs right now? One and a half. All right, at home. Uh, I like I like the Packers. The Bucks are home. The Bucks are home. I'm sorry. I, yes. I, I zoned out for a second while you were talking. That's okay. Um, I like the Packers here. I know the Bucks are two and zero, and it's Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers doesn't really have that much success against Tom Brady, but I will trust Aaron Rodgers a little bit more right now. Uh, Mike Evans is out for the Bucks, which is a big. He's serving that one game suspension for bitch bitch pushing Marshawn Lattimore. Let's call it what it is. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think the Bucks are. They're due for a loss. They played some close games over the last couple weeks. Tom Brady hasn't necessarily been too impressive. He's on my fantasy team in another league, and he has put up a combined 19 points in two weeks. Nice. Not what you really want from the GOAT, but I might have to agree with you here. The Bucks are kind of like reeling, and losing Mike Evans is a big blow to them. They might not even have Julio Jones. And no Chris Godwin. He's but, out. And Chris Godwin's out. Okay. So, yeah, I'm rolling with the Packers here. You know, um, you know who might end up being the Bucks' number one receiving option, Zach? Scotty Miller? Nope. Huh. A little bit of an older version of Scotty Miller. Kyle Rudolph? No. Much shorter. Who? Cole Beasley. Oh, boy. Did they sign him? Yes, they did. They oh signed him, God. I think, on Monday or at some point last week. He's but, about uh, to have like a resurgence. Yeah. I, I feel like this is a Cole Beasley game. 
uh, he's going to end up having, like, if he plays, I know there is speculation that he might not play. I mean, he, they just signed him earlier in the week. But Did he get if his he does COVID play, shot? Huh? Did he get his COVID shot yet? Oh, oof. Damn. Came crazy. Uh, anyway. It's Florida, so they don't really care about that kind of shit down there. They don't care about that kind of shit down there. Right. Uh, yeah, but if he does play, he, this is a game where he has, like, seven catches for a tutty and, like, 87 yards. Like, something, something stupid like that. Uh, but I do think the Packers are going to win. I liked what I saw out of them on Sunday night. I know it was the Bears, but I think they played complimentary football. They wasn't perfect, but they did what they needed to do, and I think they finally realized that we got to start utilizing these backs. You know, they're running backs. Like, yes, they're good out of the backfield, but they are running backs. And we saw Aaron Jones go off for, like, what, 130 yards, something like that. Yeah, he went, he went crazy. Yeah, so I think the Packers are going to be okay. And I'm taking them to win here. Yeah, absolutely. Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. But that might actually take us into our next game that we're going to be talking about here. Two more NFC North uh, teams coming up. And one that you like very much and a lot of America does thanks to Hard Knocks. You have the Detroit Lions going to Minnesota and playing the Minnesota Vikings. The Lions are six-point road dogs, which just is kind of crazy to me because they're a scrappy fucking bunch. And their offense is sick. Once it you really inject Jameson Williams into that offense, <laughs> oh my god, like, they're going to be really good. Uh, insane. Like DeAndre Swift is like a top five running back. Amon Ross St. Brown, Sun God is probably what a top five receiver right He's now. He's probably been the best fantasy option over the last two weeks. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know it's the first two weeks of the season, but I mean, look at what he did last year. Exactly. It's just carrying over. The offensive line is legit. They're giving Jared Goff enough time to throw the ball and make decisions. And don't get me wrong, baby hands, Jared Goff. He's he's looking good. He's looking all he's right. Looking I, can't, good. I can't even lie, man. There was a stat out there the other day. He has like, I think he's like fourth most since like 2017 with, uh, in four touchdown games, something like that. Some some wacky ass stat. But he was up there with guys like Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott. So Aaron Rodgers was on that list too. So, you know, he's playing pretty well. I got to give him credit. And, you know, I like Dan Campbell and those fighting Lions. You know, I really like the uh, fighting Dan Campbells. So, Vikings fans, cover your ears. And I know you picked them in your blind confidence pool this week, but I like I like the Lions plus six, man. Yeah, I think it's I think that's a big line for this game. Yeah, and after Minnesota kind of shit the bed against Philly on what Monday night? Oof, did I mean, they? This is prime Kirk Cousins right here. One o'clock afternoon game, perfect for him. But I don't know, man. They're not as good as I thought they would be. Like, they, I feel like that's always the expectation with the Vikings. They always go into the season, hey, they might compete with the Packers. They're going to talk about Dalvin Cook being like a fucking offensive player of the year. They have Justin Jefferson, who's the best receiver in the league. They have this new coach who's going to fucking innovate this offense and go crazy with them. The Minnesota Vikings really should be a competitor in the NFC, but they're never, but they never are. And Sean, I know you're just kind of foaming at the mouth here. Can you give us a reason to why they're not a contender? No, I'll let I'll let everybody else fill in the blank. I'm sure you guys know what I'm gonna say, and uh, I've had quite I've had quite an interesting week when it comes to this topic. So I'll, I'm just gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna let you guys interpret that for what it but is. But Sean, why not cap off your interesting week with what you're about to go off on? No, it's, we all, listen, we all know it's Kirk Cousins. Sean hates Kirk Cousins. It's not it's it's not a fucking hidden thing. So we know how much you hate him. He's holding this team back. Yes. What do you think he needs to do differently? Play well in primetime games. That's it. Like, if he just did that, I feel like they would be relevant and good. But, you know. 
How many how many primetime games do they typically have in a season? Like three or four? I wouldn't even put it at that many. At least okay, over the so last couple of years, it's been like it's two. obvious. It's obviously just more than two games. I know yeah. two games make. I know two games can make a season, but like you're still losing to the Packers, who are, in my opinion, a much less talented team. So I mean, listen, you can argue that for days, but that's what I think it is. I think the Vikings have a better, more explosive offense than them at the moment. They don't have Aaron Rodgers, but they have playmakers that can do things that Aaron Rodgers. Teammates can't do. What has been the consistent issue then, Zach? Just, I mean, you're not a fan of this team, but what I don't, it, I don't, from really, an outsider's perspective, from a fan of the NFL... I don't care much for the Vikings, but I think part of it has to be because they're a dome team. They can't really play in outdoor weather either. So that's one thing, but I don't know, man. Kirk Cousins, I don't is really... Mid. He's, he's mid. That's Kirk fine. Kirk is literally mid. He's but, historically mid. Ready? But we've he's seen quarterbacks. 60, he's 60, 60, and 2. We've seen we've seen worse than mid-to-mid quarterbacks win the Super Bowl, though. Of course. So why can't this team be the exception? It has to be more than Kirk Cousins. The defense kind of is like, ugh. But, like, you get a pass rush, you get some decent corners. I feel like they missed their window when they had Xavier Rhodes in his prime and Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin going off. And I will agree. Barr. I will agree with you there. Harrison I, Smith is still there. And who led that team to the NFC Championship game? Case Keenum. Okay. I rest my case. That's it. That's all I got to say. All right. Fair That's enough. all I got to say. Lions plus six. All right, Zach. Here we are. Our final game that we're going to cover for this episode. My heart rate just went up. Did it really? Yeah. How, how's it going to be during... How, what's it going to be like on Monday night? Well, as somebody who's going to the game, I know the Giants are asking that all their fans wear white. It's like a whiteout kind of thing. Are you going to wear white? I'm going to wear my Saquon Barkley Color Rush jersey. With a hoodie, because it's going to be a little chilly. I don't want to be uncomfortable in that game. But I think I think it's going to be white. They're going to hand out white towels. The atmosphere is going to be good. You know, it hasn't really been it hasn't really been recent that the Giants have been two and zero, or at least have a winning record in the season since what 2016. So I'm really happy that they started off like this. And you know, one can say it's fluky, and you know the wins aren't pretty. But have, well, you, have you ever seen a pretty loss? No, but that was my next question. I was going to say, how do you actually feel about both of those wins? Um, not to say that those two teams aren't good in their own rights. It's the NFL. Every team is good. But I know the Cowboys are missing Dak Prescott, but historically the Giants have not played very well against them, and the Giants have not played very well on Monday night. So how do you feel about all of those things playing a factor in this game well to be honest like me personally my personal beliefs i don't really take too much stock in the primetime game the monday night thing or the dak prescott thing i think it's all circumstantial i think every game is individual and it has its own like entity to it but in terms of the giants and titans game all right i think the giants showed more of a change of culture in that game dable you know let his balls hang out all over the fucking floor in tennessee they went for two got the lead, and we're like, yo, we're going to make a fucking stop, and we're going to win this game. Now, albeit, it was a missed field goal, but how many games like that have the Giants lost in the past? You look back to Philly when Jake Elliott hit the 60-something yard, or you look back to Carolina when Graham Gano hit the 60-something yard to beat us. So you take wins when you can get them in the NFL. Whether they're pretty or not, I don't care. I'll take a win. When it comes to the next game with the Panthers, right? Mm -hmm. I think the Giants showed grit. All right, they went down 13-6 to six after halftime. The offense didn't look too too good, you know, whatever. The offense is going to hit its moments. And Panthers had you guys for a half. They had us for a half. I mean, it was 6-6 six, six for the half, but they came out, scored a touchdown. It was 13-6 at the end of halftime. Um, then Daniel Jones went on a really nice drive, made it 13-13, tie game. 
they went down the field, couldn't really get anything going, but two 50-yard field goals by Graham Gano, and their defense held for the game-winning. Their defense held, big sack by Julian Love on third down, got the offense the ball back, and the offense put the game away. I feel more, I feel better about the Panthers game because you put the ball in the offensive hands, they put the game away, and it was like, all right, not worrying about any other bullshit, it's a done deal, take the W. So I'm happy that we're, that we're 2-0. and I wish the offense would produce a little more, but every game is different, so maybe they'll get it going a little bit more against the Cowboys on their third game of the year. Now, personally, Zach, I think this might be the best defense that you guys have played so far up to this year. Would you agree? This will end up being the best defense you guys have played up to this point so far? Yeah, probably. I mean, when you have Micah Parsons on your team, it's kind of hard not to have a pretty good defense just because the guy is, let's admit it, the guy's a generational talent. I know you don't want to say it. No, I'll I know say it. Dude's a fucking beast. He's but an animal. Listen, he's an absolute animal. I and really... I got to be honest with you. I'm sorry to cut you off. He's the only reason why I have hope for this game. I get it. Cooper Rush did his thing last week against the Bengals. And I think Dallas played an absolute... Close to flawless game. There were some hiccups here and there. But they played the exact game script they needed to play to win that game. And it had a lot to do with the num- number 11. I'll touch on Cooper Rush in a second, but no, Micah Parsons is an animal. There's no denying that he's probably the best defensive player in the game right now, albeit TJ Watt's hurt, but he's not playing right now, all right? I really like what Evan Neal had to say about going up against Micah Parsons. He puts his pants on the same way everyone else does. He's just a man, all right? So I like it. I like listen, it. I think the Giants are a little better equipped than they were last season when it came to playing you guys when Micah Parsons went off. You got Evan Neal, who's kind of coming into his own as a right tackle. You know, he's having his struggles, but what rookie offensive tackle doesn't? Of course. Andrew Thomas right now is PFF's top-ranked offensive tackle in the league. I think he's had like 60-something pass blocks and only one pressure allowed. So It's impressive. You really like to see that as a Giants fan, being as though your offensive line has been complete shit. And, you know, it still is up the middle because that's where all the pressure is coming from. But they can move defensive lines in the run game. They have... Big, powerful guys. Saquon let loose for over 160 yards in the first week, 75 in the second week, but, you know, they kept going. He kept getting four or five here and there. I really do think, though, that this game is going to come down to the running game. I do think Micah Parsons is going to have his way with whoever he's fucking going up against. You know, he's going to get get every now and then, but I can see him walking away from this game with, like, two sacks. couple tackle for losses. couple tackle for losses, but I think the Giants coaching staff is going to play a bigger part. I think they're going to scheme up a way to put their offense in the best position to win. And I think that's what they've done for the first two weeks of the season. It's nice to see some, you know, smart play callers calling plays for you now. Oh, I mean, I'm sure it's a very large upgrade over what you've had over the last five, six years. You know exactly what I had. <laughs> Jason Garrett. Listen, I get it. But I like what you said earlier. Um, you mentioned the running game. I think this is going to be a big running game for both teams. Okay, because the Cowboys have some deficiencies in stopping the run, and I think this is actually going to be a good matchup for the Cowboys. And I think part of their offensive game plan is going to be to pound the rock. Now, we saw how explosive Tony Tony Pollard could be on a single carry last week. He damn near broke a 50-yarder for a touchdown against the Bengals. I think if if we can get him in space, Giants have some shaky tackling in the secondary. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, the, the the front seven has played pretty well against the run. I mean, bottled up Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey for under like 100 yards and not really us doing much. Fair enough. But I think if the Cowboys are going to scheme this up the way I think they're going to, or at least the way I hope they're going to, they're going to get the ball out of Cooper Rush's hands. Because one thing I know 
Mr. Martindale, your defensive coordinator, likes to do a lot is blitz. Oh, love oh, it. Oh, he loves to blitz, and he likes to blitz from any and everywhere on the field. You want to hear something fucked up? On what? that third and like long, and Julian Love got that sack against the Panthers, you know how many people uh, rushed the quarterback on that play? Nine. Like five. That's it? Do you know how many of them were defensive linemen? Two. Oh, wow. Three safeties blitzed on that play. That's pretty like, impressive. Like, what the fuck are you throwing at them? I mean, that's something right out of the Ravens playbook. Think about it. That's like Chuck Clark and fucking all those other guys rushing at the same time. But your boy Tony Jefferson? Yeah, he had a pretty good game. He had a couple tackles. But, no, I I think it could be that kind of game, a running-heavy game. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to have a lot of time to throw. And, you know, we get two of my studs back. I mean, listen, one, one hasn't played a game yet, but one also set the rookie record for most sacks for the Giants. Aziz Ojolari had eight and a half sacks last year. Set that record and the long awaited debut, Kayvon Thibodeau. Yes. Cannot I'm, wait to see what he can do. Exactly the reason why I think the Cowboys need to get the ball out of Cooper Rush's hand quickly and efficiently, which I'm hoping that they do. Um, so if it all goes to plan, I think the Cowboys can win this game. And I'm thinking, uh, what's the over under on this? The over under is like 39, I think. Yeah, I think we're going to stay under that. I think we're getting like a 17 10. Either way type game. I think for the Cowboys to win, for the Cowboys to play at the level that they need to win, it'll be 17-10. And if the Giants play at the level I think you're expecting them to play, it'll be around that score. Can I just say one thing? This might be a hot take to you and might spark a little bit of a conversation here. I think the Giants right now can afford to make more mistakes than the Cowboys can. Because like you said earlier, let me hear me out. The Cowboys played a near flawless game against the Bengals and they still almost lost. So you're going to need to see a little bit more out of Cooper Rush in that offense to be able to compete against any team, let it be the Giants, the Bengals, whoever. Okay. I think if that's your flawless, I think the Giants can take advantage of the fact that you know Cooper Rush, albeit he's 2-0 and has played really well, he made the plays when they mattered. I think they can take advantage of that, but I think right now the Giants are the team that can make the most mistakes and recover from it as opposed to the Cowboys. All right. Um... I don't know. I'm going to have to refute that. And the only reason why I refute that is because I, st- I still think the Cowboys have a better team around them as a whole um, than the Giants do. And that's a conversation I'm definitely glad to have with you. Uh, but that's how I feel about it. Now, one thing I will say about Cooper Rush uh, from the Vikings start to the Bengals start was that I thought he looked markedly more confident. And I don't know if you watch the game or not, but there are some throws he had. And I'm going to point out, you know, the fourth down throw to Noah Brown over the middle of the field on fourth and two. And then the big third down on the right sideline to CeeDee Lamb. Was that in the fourth quarter? In the fourth quarter. I remember that Those one, yeah. were some big-ass, no, big-time throw. throws. That was Those were throw. some big-time throws. I got, to, I got to admit, I got to give that to him. Okay? Now, I know he, I'm an, I've been using this term a lot, and I'm going to wear it out. He's pretty mid. I will admit that, but I do really appreciate the way he runs the offense. He takes what is given to him and takes his shots as necessary. I think the 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 bond that he has with Noah Brown playing so many years on the second team together is very understated. And I think we're slowly seeing the emergence of Noah Brown as a legitimate NFL wide receiver and not just like a blocking specialist. You're also getting Michael Gallup back too, right? Of course. But he's going to take a game or two to get yes. ready back I don't, in the game. I, game I, don't expect him to, I don't expect him to be like super efficient. I can see him pulling like four catches for like yeah, 30 maybe. yards. Yeah, They'll probably limit his snap count to like 20 because, again, he is coming off of like an ACL surgery. So, you know, you want to ease him in. But I do like what the Cowboys did against the Bengals. I 
I believe in the coaching staff. I strike that. I believe in Kellen Moore still. Because I thought he put up a really good game plan last week. And I thought it was exactly what the Cowboys needed to do to win. So if he can scheme that up against the Bengals, who I believe are a better team than the Giants. I know they're 0-2. But um, I know they're 0-2. I think he can do it against the Giants. So that's my take on it. And that's where I stand. So when it's all said and done, I, I'm obviously rocking with the Cowboys here, plus one. So I hear you, man. I, I think coaching is going to be a big part of this game. You know, Brian Dable's first year coaching. Mike McCarthy's been around the block. He's got a Super Bowl ring. So it's going to be. I think it's going to be a good matchup, especially right now. Now, if Dak's playing, it's another question. I think the line probably swings. To seven, Cowboys. All right, relax. I think, I, think it, I think it would probably swing from like four to six, depending on what the opening line would be. The line opened at three. So I think with Dak, let's say they still are like, what, one and one, and they have the same kind of game they had last week against the Bengals. I think the line favors the Cowboys, but it doesn't. You don't have Dak, so you have Cooper Rush. But we'll see what happens, man. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be there all whited out and shit. So I'm still debating on whether or not I want to go. I oh. thought I was going to be working. Uh, but I'm not, so I do have the opportunity to go. You out. should go, man. We're going to get there like 5 o'clock, tailgate, barbecue. You literally won't even speak to me. You don't even talk to me during games. Yeah, days. but I thought this was going to be more of a fiery episode. We were pretty civil. I, I mean, was going to say, we, we, we made were pretty, pretty good points. Pretty measured. No, nah, but like, I just, I want to say one thing, all right? I know I've been a long-time reserved Giants fan. Not really reserved, but I've been pretty optimistic as much as I can be in the last 10 years. And, you know, I ride for my guy Daniel Jones all the time, but I just want to give my quick take on what I think he is and what I think the Giants are going to do moving forward with him. Oh, man. This is kind of out of left field, but I just want to touch on this because I was thinking about it all week and I didn't want to say anything to you until today when we recorded, so... I think Daniel Jones is an average quarterback in the NFL. He's average. He shows you signs of being good, but then he shows you signs of being bad. And I want to use this comparison in, you know, in a way that you'll understand. Eli Manning, he would do the same thing. He would show really good flashes. He would show really bad flashes. But the difference is Eli Manning would also throw three touchdowns and 300 yards versus Daniel Jones throwing 150 and one. Now, Daniel Jones has a very particular skill set. If the coaching staff feels like they can work with it and they can win with it and, you know, move on and do the playoffs, that's fine. If they want to be that type of team. But if you want to, like, kind of take the next step and you think that you need to go get your guy in the draft this year or next year or get a veteran or something like that, someone that can run the offense and put the team on his shoulders. Lamar Jackson. Don't even get me fucking started. Don't even get me started, I knew that's where you were going, No, it wasn't. It was not at all because I think it's a fucking... I think it's so far out there that I don't think it can happen. I don't know. No, shh, shh. We're not doing this right now, right? You want to put it out there, You're not not getting me all riled up like this for no reason. Listen, if it happens, it happens. Great. I would give that man whatever fucking he wants. Give him a blank check. But in terms of Daniel Jones, I personally believe that this will be his final season as the Giants quarterback. No matter what happens? I mean... He's got to really show something these last. I was gonna days. say it's it's not looking very. He's got to show promising. something. You can't be trying to do this like like. All right, I'm looking at game film from the games and I'm seeing him miss wide open guys. He had Kadarius Tony on a cross that probably would have gone for six. He had David Sills on wide open on a play against Tennessee that would have been for six. Instead, he checked it down. Now, I'm not gonna say it's all his fault because he's probably shell shocked and has PTSD from <laughs> the horrible coaching he's received in the last four years. But fair. The first year that he has good coaching. They're producing wins. They're putting Daniel Jones in position to make good decisions with the ball. And if he does those things, they win the games. You saw what happened against the Titans, that pretty shitty interception. He got reamed out for that on the sideline by Coach Dable. Love to see it because I haven't seen anybody do that to Daniel Jones yet. I mean, he's they like, literally treated him like an eighth grade. He's like, yo, dumbass, <laughs> why'd you throw that ball? 
but which, no, he's which right. is what which is what Giants Nation was probably all thinking. No, it, it 100% was. I thought the game was over then. But he had another questionable throw against the fucking um, Panthers right before halftime. It would have been pick six. Oh, it the seems, Frankie Louvu, right? Yeah, I feel like Daniel Jones is good for one of those a game, and it really kind of bothers me. And I don't really feel like you can win championship football or play championship football when you're making those kind of plays and not have the offensive firepower to overcome it. But going into this game on Monday night, Daniel Jones is 0-7 in primetime. I know you like to make the comparison about Kirk Cousins, but in those seven primetime games, Daniel Jones has played particularly well. They lose on some bullshit here and there. They get worked on defense. I don't really blame Jones as much. Like I said, it's circumstantial, but because of the blind confidence pool and the way that I'm wired, the Giants are going to win this game. I'm taking the minus one. I think it's obviously at this point a pick em. At this point, I mean, come yeah, on. I mean, pretty much. It's a pick em. It's a pick em. I for sure thought that the Giants were going to open up as dogs just because of the narrative around the Giants that they're, you know, shitty and they haven't been playing really well for the last couple of years. And you're right, Dallas does have a more talented roster, even though they have a Mickey Mouse offense outside of Zeke and CD Lamb. <sighs> But, no, nah, their defense is legit. It's going to give our offense problems. But I'm kind of banking on the hope that Cooper Rush has a shitty game and the Giants can stop the run enough to put it on his shoulders to win the game. You know what I think we end up seeing in this game that we haven't seen all season? A Trayvon Diggs interception. He's too right busy getting stone. cooked. Stop that. He <laughs> clamped up Jamar Chase last week. Like, six targets, a catch for four yards. I'll take that. If he can clamp up Kenny Galladay, we'll have a problem. That's not very hard to do. <laughs> well, I mean, you heard his comments over the past weekend, over the past week. Yeah, I texted you and I asked you how you felt about it because I thought when I saw that, when I saw that little ticker pop up from Bleacher Report that he was upset. He, he should be playing every play. Like, listen, shut up. Listen, you're, shut the hell up. He's a competitor, all right? Shut up. It's not good that you say those things and the coach came out and said, listen, I'm happy he's like that. He's competitive. Of course. That's what the coach has to say. But, but fucking produce. Yeah. Ex- Do something. Coach is probably like, yo. Dumbass. I'm gonna, How about catch the fucking football? I'm going to play the best guy that I feel like is going to give us the best chance to win this game. Now, Kenny Galladay, you're upset? Hey, we'll trade you. I'll get rid of you for, I'll get rid of you for a seventh-round pick. I don't care. Get rid of that money. I'll even pay half your contract this year. Get the fuck out. Start over. We'll have fucking so much money in cap space next year to do what we need to do. We'll probably have another top 15 pick going into the draft. I mean, starting out 2-0, you don't want a top 15 pick, but... Listen, things happen in the, the NFL. After the Cowboys with Cooper Rush and Justin Fields led Browns, who the Browns, the Bears, the Bears, um, we got the Green Bay Packers and the Baltimore Ravens in back-to-back weeks. Ooh. I can't really count on those being wins. Yeah, that's 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 it's getting your schedule is going to get tough very soon. So we'll see how it all plays out for y'all. All right, Zach, let's uh, close out this episode and get to the last few segments of the pod, and let's start with our fantasy must plays. <laughs> How's that sound? It sounds pretty good to me. I'll get it started off with our number five must play, and that's going to be Garrett Wilson. The man went absolutely haywire. Bonkers. He went bonkers last week. And, you know, I think that they're going to really start realizing that he's a great player and they need to get him the ball more. I mean, Brees Hall had a great game too, but Garrett Wilson, is he's him. It, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a youth movement on the Jets' offense. And I think hopefully when Zach Wilson gets back, we can see them at full power. But Joe Flacco operated pretty efficiently, surprisingly. So, uh, yeah, definitely locking Garrett Wilson this week. Uh, number four, we have Mr. Justin Jefferson. I told you all that that Minnesota and Detroit game, lots of points. I think Justin Jefferson is going to remind people who the hell he is after a little bit of a stinker last week. Uh, so you could lock him in. Number three, Zach, I told you, 
Uh, I was a little bit down on Tua to start this season, but after what he showed me last week against the Ravens team, how can you not put him in a top yeah. five fantasy plays? You got to. Like, you got come on. To. And I know he was sitting on the waiver wire, so he's there to be had Listen, for most of y'all. Yeah, and we said it earlier, you know, the Bills are a little banged up in the secondary. It's a perfect opportunity for him to carry over that momentum with his two stud receivers in Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Which, spoiler alert, Tyreek Hill is actually at the top. So we're going to give you guys number one. Uh, number two, again, this guy's from that Detroit and fucking uh, Vikings game. I, I think we've finally, uh, I think everybody's now realized that Amon Ross St. Brown is the number one threat for Detroit. And he he's a special player. I think we have a star on our hands right here. Because, Sun God. Yeah, he's been ridiculous ever since, like, what, week nine of last season? Yeah, pretty much. His target share is just ridiculous. He's like, getting, like, eight to nine catches a game over 130 yards apiece and scoring touchdowns like it's nobody's business. It's kind of crazy, and it makes me sick to think that I traded him in one of my leagues. But, Oof. I mean, hey, you make you make decisions, and you, you either fall on your sword or you prevail. And I fell on my sword on that one. I hear you. Well, there you guys have it. Uh, Fantasy must plays. Let's get to the can't miss parlay that has not hit not one single time. I hope you are listening at the end of last week's episode to that little disclaimer. Uh, We are not viable for any losses that you can ensure will have, but none whatsoever. We hope we uh, fare a little bit better this week. Uh, What Go ahead, Zach. Rattle that off real quick. All right. Well, we're going back to that Minnesota-Detroit game that you were talking about. The, we're going to hit the over at 52 and a half on that one. I think You think people understand that we really like the, that game this week? I think most people just kind of realize that Detroit has a pretty potent offense, putting up 35 points on the Eagles and then putting up, what, 36 on the Commanders. The defenses aren't too great right now, but, you know, that's still very impressive for a Detroit team that puts up numbers. Yeah. And Minnesota puts up points when they're not playing in primetime, so... This is a one o'clock game. Lots of points. Kirk Cousins about to go off. Exactly. So that's our number one play. Our number two play stays in the division. We're going to take the Green Bay Packers plus one and a half on the road against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's been battling with injuries. Tom Brady doesn't really quite look like himself yet. Mike Evans suspension as well. You know, that there's that too. So I think the Packers coming off of a really good game against the Bears and the Bucks kind of, you know, not really playing their best average so they're limp- far they're limping yeah they are so yeah, i think for sure. i think aaron Rodgers goes down to tampa bay and secures a win there so the plus one and a half is the play for us rams money line is going to be the next one they're playing the cardinals and for any of you guys who are kind of you know up to date with gaming it's been the call of duty modern warfare open beta this weekend so you know kyler's been sitting in front of that tv screen all weekend and he's about to come out and lay a big fat egg uh, I know they had a little bit of magic against the Raiders last week, but not to be had against a much better Rams team. Well, to Kyler Murray's credit, they did win on some backyard bullshit plays. It wasn't even like it was like drawn up. So yeah. That was just pure athletic ability by Kyler Murray, but we're going to smash the Rams there. And then the final play of the week is going to be the Atlanta versus Seattle game. We're hitting the over of 41.5 points. I don't know what Vegas was thinking, thinking that this game is not going to surpass that. Yeah, I, I was when I first saw this game, I immediately thought like, 24-21-ish, somebody's going to win. Hopefully it's the Atlanta Falcons and Young Way Koo on like a last second field goal. So you add all those picks up for $100, you win yourself $928. Not a bad little uh, chunk of change, right? Hey, I'll take it. I might play that myself. But we're going to finish things up here with our blind confidence pool, our fan favorite. And as the de facto loser of the series so far. You have no skills and you're a loser! <laughs> Sean's currently boasting a 7-4 to four lead upon me. I will make my picks first. Now, it's special because this is rivalry week. 
This is rivalry. This is rivalry. This is, this is rivalry week. I can't say rivalry. I said it perfectly there. I don't understand what this problem is. But anyway, I'm going to start with my one-point play. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. I don't know how to speak. So I'm not going to start with my one-point play. I'm going to explain how rivalry, work, we, 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 <laughs> rivalry week works, all right? We're going to explain how that works. Um, so Giants play the Cowboys. Sean picks the Cowboys in their line. I take the Giants in their line, and that play is worth four points. It can really make a difference late in the season when your team is down. Well, not your team. When you are down in the blind confidence pool. And I'm pretty sure that happened last year, right? Yeah, but then, you know, things transpired differently, and I pulled away again. But anyway, Sean has the Cowboys plus one, and I have the Giants plus one. But let me start with my one-point play here, right? Go ahead. My one-point play is going to be Detroit plus six. I love Detroit. If you haven't noticed, that's all we've talked about. <laughs> Seriously, you think we're a Detroit podcast, but that's my one-point play, Detroit plus six. Two-point play is going to be Las Vegas minus two. Titans are dealing with injuries. The Raiders kind of need to win this game to stay in their division. I mean, the Broncos haven't been anything crazy, but the Chargers and Chiefs... They're going to they're play desperate here. Yeah, they're going to have to. And my three-point play is going to be Kansas City minus five and a half. Beat up Colts team, yeah. And Patrick Mahomes about to go off. Yeah, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty comfortable with those. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I really like that... Uh, that KC pick, I was looking at that. All right, uh, I'll give you all my three-point play first. I'm going again with Baltimore minus three and a half. I took them last week. I took them last week as my three-point play too. Didn't really work out for me. Tua had something to say about that, but I feel a little bit more confident this week. Uh, actually, I lied. They're minus two and a half. Either way, I still feel good about it. Uh, my two-point play, Miami plus five and a half. Like I said, I feel good about Tua. And my one-point play is going to be de- the Denver Broncos. One-and-a-half-point home underdogs. Zach. That's interesting. Against San Fran. You don't really see that too often. I, but mile high is uh, that's a true home field advantage there. So You think Jimmy G joined the mile high club with Kiara Mia? What, what? That porn star he was banging. I mean, I'm sure. I hope so. I would I mean, hope so. He would be the king of the mile high then. Uh, I mean, not 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 on Sunday. I think uh, I think Plus, the Denver's going to get her done. And you think Broncos, Broncos, Broncos they're going to ride? They go. They they go ride. They're going to get it right. Nathaniel Hackett has not looked very good. No, he's made some very questionable decisions. Very questionable. But I think I think they might turn it around this week. All right, everybody. Uh, that's gonna finish up this episode that was a lot of fun huh yeah no i had a good time man this episode went smooth it went good we had some good conversation so looking forward to this monday man yeah it should be a lot of fun should be a lot of fun when the cowboys wax that ass Nah. Yeah, what'd you get so quiet for i thought you're gonna match my intensity a little bit you can't argue with, with people that just aren't there come on you had to know i was gonna say one ignorant thing well, at least exactly. one. She can't argue with ignorance. <laughs> you can't argue with it. But um, nah, I think it's going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. Giants are going to come out, hopefully hyped as fuck for this game. Cowboys are going to come out after a big win against the Bengals, and we'll see from there. You know what was interesting? You mentioned that wideout before. When do you see a professional, well, an NFL team do like that kind of like whiteout? You don't really see that too often. I mean, I'm not discrediting it. I think it's cool shit, but like, you typically see that in like college. Well, I think the the only other team that I can really think of that has done something like that was the Eagles with the blackout. And they were all blackout jerseys and mm. like Monday or Thursday night and yeah. everyone's wearing black in the stands. So Fuck I, the Eagles. I think it's pretty cool. Last time I saw a whiteout like this was like Penn State. I see them do it a lot. Like yeah, said, exactly. Uh, but like you said, I think it'll be really cool for the fans. Um, I don't know. I may, I may show up there. We'll see. Uh, but 
like we said, that's going to close out this week's episode. want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, always know that you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at HeatedRivals15. And on TikTok, whenever we decide that we're going to do one of those. Sorry about we're that. Not. We're not. We're not doing we're one not. of those. We don't, we don't have the time to do that. So, like we said, we're always offering the job up to somebody if they want to run our TikTok. It's we'd a be good more, internship. Yeah, we'd be more than willing to uh, pay you $5. We're good bosses. <laughs> Just not very good paying ones. But like we said, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Take care, everybody. Peace.